Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. Everybody, welcome back to Wrong and Wronger, and I gotta say, I am just as surprised as you are to be here right now. <laughs> Joining me is the illustrious, always on time, always kind of cranky about starting on time, James Breakwell. How are you doing today, James? I made sure that when I answer the phone today, <laughs> I was chipper and upbeat, since I know oh, you my judge God. my every inflection. So yes, I was... <laughs> I could not be happier or more upbeat to be here with you today, eventually. Ooh. Wait, you, you couldn't be more happy or upbeat because it's not in your nature. Is that why? Have I, have I hit my ceiling of chipperness? There's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's only so much to go around. And I don't know that you had any left for me this morning. Yes, but you probably have some chipperness left for me because I know you had people over at the ranch in the holidays, and we actually haven't had an update on ranch disasters in quite a while. And I'm sure with multiple people over there occupying both cabins, everything went swimmingly and nothing at all went wrong. There wasn't much that went wrong, except uh, we had a hot water heater failure just the other day. So we had no hot water for two days, but I don't think that was our issue. I think it was the city's issue. As you know, we live way out in the sticks and way up on a hill. And so getting water to us becomes a little bit tricky. So if there's any problems upstream in the pipes, we always are the, the, uh, the unfortunate beneficiaries of problems. So there was low water pressure. We have one of those infinite hot water heaters, <clears throat> which work great when they have appropriate pressure. But if the water pressure is not high enough, the water heater doesn't turn on. And so the cold water just flows right through. And that's what we had going on for two days. It was uncomfortable. So you and your guests got to enjoy cold showers. No, uh, the guests had already left. Ah. The, the guests getting here was a whole thing because of the airline meltdown that happened. And oh. uh, Did they, yeah. get, they got caught by Southwest. Man, I tell you what, my son... His girlfriend is a saint. I, I sent $100 back with him and said, give this to Emily, because my God, I don't know that when we were dating, Mrs. Steve would have gone above and beyond the way his girlfriend went to drive him. He lives in a place where there's a local airport, but Southwest Airlines doesn't fly out of it. So we tried to get him out of that airport, but because of the bad weather, even the major carriers were having problems. Mm -hmm. So that got canceled twice, which was no problem. He just had to get dropped off 10 minutes from his house. But then we started looking to Southwest, and his girlfriend drove him to an airport three hours away and Whoa. then drove all the way home. That's three hours back. That flight got canceled like six hours later. So she drove another three hours to pick him up and bring him back. So that's 12 hours of driving for her that day. We did that two days in a row because he kept getting canceled. And then we decided to drive him to Boston because my brother lives there. And if anything went sideways, my brother could have picked up the slack. But his girlfriend drove him all the way to Boston, which is about five hours, and then drove all the way back. And I, I can't imagine what Mrs. Steve would have said if I'd have said, hey, 
I've got another chore for you. Would you mind driving me five hours for the third day in a row and then driving back? Although this time, good news, you won't have to come and pick me up if the flight gets canceled because my uncle will get me. I, I don't think it would have flown, but she did it because she's a saint. And I don't know what my kid did to deserve a saint, but I, I think Olivas men are just charmed that way. So three straight days of driving... And you gave her a yeah. hundred dollars like that. That I didn't even him. cover gas. What do you? What kind of a cheapskate are you? This poor girl. She should dump him and your entire family right now. Wow. Well, in fairness to me, it was on day one that because on day one we assumed he was going to come home, and instead of leaving his car at the airport three hours away, she drove him. So I thought, well, it's about a wash with airport parking. So I said, tell Emily I'll give her a hundred bucks, and that was sort of the deal. <laughs> And then it just grew and grew. And I guess until you brought it up, because your accounting mind is keen, James Breakwell, it didn't occur to me that I sort of screwed her out of some gas money and definitely time taken away from her soul kind of money. But on the upside, she was paid by allowing her to have FaceTime with my kid all the way down and all the way back. Should have paid her double for that if he's anything like you. <laughs> Man. He's exactly like me. It's funny how we have exactly the same sense of humor. This is uh, exhibit A for why I, now <laughs> a responsible adult, simply pay for airport parking. It's just not worth it to, like, rack up a debt of favors to other people to get you to the airport to save 20 or 30 or 50 bucks, whatever it is, and then have to impose upon them at whatever random hour of the night or day you get back and pick <laughs> yes. up. I just, I just drive myself, and I park, and I pay for parking, and whenever I get back, whatever day or month or year the airline decides to make that, I have a vehicle there, and I can drive home. Mm-hmm. Mm well, it, now, we did tell him to drive his car the other times, but she apparently, and I don't know what the conversation was like if he was uh, sort of twisting her arm, but apparently she insisted that she wanted to drive him. So there you go. Yeah, so he, uh, yeah, my, my wife would not drive me that much. Let me just make that clear. So he probably <laughs> should marry her. On the flip side, she's trying awfully hard to impress him. So she's probably hiding some terrible secret. Like, this is, <laughs> she would not be, she would not be going above and beyond if, like, just on paper she was this clearly good deal. So apparently there's some, uh, there's some dark, uh, dark secrets in that closet. Maybe he should poke around a bit. Hmm. Well, we have not met her because we haven't been up there in so long. So eventually, I suppose the time will come. But there's also a time coming where he's going to graduate and move somewhere to go to college. And I'm not sure how that's going to go. But I sort of, in an anticipatory way, feel bad for both of them because that's a, that's a tough decision that you have to make. And it'll probably be made to where they say goodbye. But ah, I don't know. They've been together for a while, and they've had a good run. Maybe so, they will stay together. I don't know how that works. I've never had a long-distance relationship like that. To be clear, when he dumps her, she's going to light his car on fire, okay? That's going to happen. Maybe, maybe before he does that, he should place his car in protective custody at the airport so it will be safe. <laughs> you know... I, this just reminded me of the stories we used to hear. My uh, This is years and years ago. My partner and I, we uh, 
we had an office on Music Row, and so we were kind of close to downtown. And we had a radio show in Nashville at the time. And somehow we had the... <laughs> this story's going to go into a di- direction you can't predict, James. <laughs> okay. We, <laughs> we had the house mom from one of the biggest local strip clubs on our show. And we ended up being like the, uh, the, the therapy go-to for the house mom when one of her employees needed some counseling. And I'll tell you what, man, the stories that we would hear are just mind-blowing of how crazy some relationships can get. And I guess if you watch Live PD or OP Nation, like you get a sense of that. But man, there is a reality behind what you see on TV that's scary. Well, I'm, I, for one, am shocked that strippers are not known for calm, rational relationships. <laughs> you, that blows me away, Steve. You're, you're dropping well, surprises left and right. No, I don't think I'd ever told you that we were the, 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 the house therapist for uh, Al's show place in Nashville no. in, like, 1998. So all the strippers would call in with their <laughs> issues, huh? No, they would, sh- they would come to our office. They would come to your office to go and talk yes. through your sessions. And so you were you were saving their relationships or you were saying uh, maybe just move on? It, uh, it wasn't a matter of – I'm not even talking about that, like the present tense element of their lives. I'm talking about stories that they would tell of prior relationships because ah. whenever you are assessing how do you help somebody in a current relationship – you have to kind of get a feel of who were you in relationships all along the way because history tends to repeat until you are made aware of it and decide to change. All right. So I am assuming since this was being hashed out on the radio, like, you know, therapist patient confidentiality is out the window. So why don't you just go ahead and give us some examples here? No, this wasn't on the radio. This was in Wait, our offices. I'm, you were telling this story terribly. So you were no. okay. So Sorry. so so the house mom came on as a guest. After yes. that, you gave private real therapy to the yes. strippers that were under her care. Yes, the house okay. mom wanted a resource to help some of her uh, employees. I see. So you were the. And would you just go down to the strip club then for for work? No, no. <laughs> Uh, no, but that's not a bad idea. Actually, <laughs> they had a good lunch buffet. Now we would uh, we would uh, make ourselves available if any of her employees needed to schedule time with us. Gotcha. So you uh, you drummed up quite a bit of business going down that road. I've, I've got to imagine the uh, the number of strippers who don't need therapy of some kind is probably very low. But again, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that because I am not a stripper therapist and you are. So I will I will defer <laughs> to your expertise on this one. The other interesting thing was it was very short lived. Like Al's got shut down uh, not too long after we started, but I it the, the only. <laughs> There's a difference between needing to see a therapist and actually pulling the trigger and doing it. And so it was it, it wasn't an avalanche of strippers coming in. It was a couple <laughs> over time. And then it just sort of faded away when the house mom moved on to doing something else for a living. What got the strip club shut down? Uh, I think it is two things. There were rumors of prostitution charges, but I would imagine that those rumors could swirl around any strip club at any time. More importantly, the strip club itself was in a very desirable part of town, and right now there's a high-rise where the strip club used to be. So I'm fairly certain that Al cashed out. 
Man, it's uh, no no place in the world for for common uh, salt of the earth strippers anymore. They're putting in they're putting <laughs> in skyscrapers and elbowing them out. You know, they. I went to uh, we'll just we'll offend everybody today. I, I went to okay. New Orleans and I was uh, I was not impressed. Like you see New Orleans New Orleans on TV and it's like man that city looks amazing. Like one of the cities in the U.S. that's truly different. I mean, you've flown all over the place. You can kind of plop down about any city and it's really not that different than every other city. You've got your McDonald's. You've got your Holiday Inn, and you know you've got a few tourist attractions out on the fringes, but you know it's it's more or less the same. But as New Orleans, New Orleans is different. Well, New Orleans is different and in, in not a good way. It's like it's <laughs> like uh, I would compare it to adult spring break uh, with more drugs and homelessness. Like it is. <laughs> It was not a great vibe going on. And I, I've got lots and lots of stories about how dark things got there in my, in my just two or three days. But one of the, one of the sites that stands out was the, the stripper protest. We were going up, uh, you know, I think it's Bourbon Street. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of strippers, fully clothed, were walking down with protest signs. And this was a week or two before Mardi Gras. And we were like, what's that about? Well, apparently... Every uh, every year, right before Mardi Gras, when all the tourists come in, uh, the New Orleans City Police would go through and shut down all the strip clubs on ticky-tack offenses. Like there's always there's always something that you know you can yeah. you can ding them for, and they would just go through and ding them everybody for everything, so that when all the tourists were in town. Uh, the strippers would not be like that was the basic idea. That was the point of the protest. Mm. But with what the police allowed to go on, like blatantly in front of them, I have no idea what was going on in the strip club because it could not have been worse than what was going on just out <laughs> in the street. Like you could, I swear, you could, you could stab somebody to death in front of a New Orleans police officer, and he would let you off with a warning. Like it was, there was, there was a guy. Oh, there was James. There was literally this a guy. Is 2020. Oh yeah, I'm you sorry. You get a ticket for that nowadays. Come on. Yeah, there was literally a guy walking down the street, <laughs> not ten feet from police officers, yelling "cocaine" like he was peddling hats. You know, come here, get your cocaine, <laughs> cocaine for sale. It just, they just, or was it crack? It was one or the other, and, and they just didn't do anything. It's like, wow, yeah, okay. where, where am I? Oh my gosh, you could not find a doorway without somebody who was homeless and on drugs, passed out. Every every surface had urine on it. It was, and you know, I'm sure that of our three <laughs> listeners, one is in New Orleans, and now I have lost them forever. And we had friends who went there and raved about it and just had the greatest experience. And my my three days down there for that conference were just diametrically opposed to that. I'm, I'm not entirely sure that we went to the same city. Did you go during Mardi Gras? It was right before. Okay. I will bet that that city changes its identity during Mardi Gras and probably a little buffer on both sides than during the rest of the work week for the rest of the year. I, I can't imagine it's a free-for-all like that year long. And I've been to Mardi Gras, or not Mardi Gras, I've been to New Orleans several times, and uh, it's it's different, but I, I didn't experience that high crimes and misdemeanors that you did. Well, were you Were you down in the French Quarter? Yeah, one time I did. The other two times, I'd sort of gotten it out of my system with that one time. I didn't okay. enjoy it enough to return. So what happened when you were down there? Uh, nothing. It was just business as usual. It was crowded. It was touristy. Mm -hmm. It was the middle of the day. I'm, I, I think I got down there on a Monday. or I would have, knowing my travel schedule, it would have been a Monday or a Tuesday afternoon that I was down there. 
And it, it wasn't anywhere near February, I'm sure. It's probably in the fall. Man. But it was just restaurants and bars and people hanging out and nobody getting stabbed, nobody uh, <laughs> selling liquid heroin or tar heroin or crystal heroin or any other kind of heroin, pill form heroin on the street, where uh, they've got one of those little change makers on their belt that serve pills like a Pez dispenser. Mm-hmm. Nothing like that. They... Um... Man, now I just want to tell all my stories. But I'm sure I'm sure we've told them before. I'm sure we're out of new stories. But I know that when I got down there, the uh, we, I went on the historic tour. It's like, yeah, I want to see this. I love history. And like 30 seconds into the historic tour, the guide was pointing out a historic church. And some lady yeah. pulled down her pants and peed on the side of the church, like in front of 20 of us. That was, it was, and then like before the end of the tour, somebody else had come up to the group and tried to scam them. Like just, just a regular street grifter had walked up with some <laughs> scam he tried to pull off. This was like a 20 minute tour. Oh, and then there, there was, uh, there was the bar I went into. I've never seen anything like this in my life. There were, it was basically no lights. No, it wasn't, it was beyond the point of like being like ambient lighting. It was like, I just don't think you paid your electric electricity bill and they had three beers on tap and they were all natty ice i've never seen anything <laughs> like, like that before like, how was this place in business and it was packed it was absolutely packed oh that's awesome yeah and then there was the there was the crowning one it wasn't my story it was a story i got from another guy a business contact it was a a dad conference down there and he had a, a dad group and they were uh, they were meeting in a restaurant, like it was like a 10 seat table. This was where they were doing their business and they had one seat unoccupied and this guy just wanders in and sits down at the table and he is very clearly high on something and he participates in the meeting. Like he starts throwing out ideas <laughs> and the, the group thinks it's hilarious and they just, and they just roll with it. And like, he's there with them for hours well, the next day, the guy who was leading the meeting is out for a run, and he sees the same guy in a, in a doorway, and he's like, hey, man, how's it going? The guy has no recollection of him at all. It's like it didn't <laughs> wow. even happen. Then he asked him for money. So it just, it's New Orleans in a nutshell. Wow. All right. Well, uh, good on you. I wish I would have a good story like that. Most of my travel stories are just vanilla because I don't... I don't engage. I just uh, keep my head down and walk with purpose. You, uh, well, you always post, where back in your travel days, you always posted pictures of the Steve Oliva suite, just you overlooking various rooftop air conditioners. So I feel like yeah. that, that summarizes your, uh, your experience. Although, when you, would, when you would go to new cities, would you go out and hit the hotel bar and go out and see the local color, or did you just get there, do your job, and go to bed? There was a time when it was exciting, and I visited all the touristy places. Like when I was in San Antonio, I went to the Alamo, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And then my second time through the country, it was like, well, I have some favorite places where I like to go, like little restaurants or divey bars, but otherwise I'm going to stay in my room. By the time I went the third time around the country, and I've been around many times, I was like, there's, there's nothing I want to see. I just want to lay on my bed and pray for a quick and painless death. And that's kind of what I would do. I would go to the hotel bar just to have dinner and try to drink the night away because I'm bored and lonely and this is stupid. But I, that's why I have no desire to travel anymore. I've gotten it out of my system. Like, I, 
I'm burned out on seeing anything that anyone would ever want to see again. Man, you paint such a glamorous picture of travel. It's a wonder you don't have any adventures. <laughs> it was fun the first time through. Did, uh... But yeah, I think... Go ahead. Everyone's got sort of a romantic idea of, boy, I'd like to see the Golden Gate Bridge. I'd like to see the Statue of Liberty. I'd like... And that is true. You have to see those things. They're awesome. But once you do, it just... It, those things don't change. You do. And it uh, it's a different experience when you've done it. And plus, I do it under pressure. Like, I have to put on shows, and I have to be the entertainer. And I'm always... I have to be on. And if I run into anyone in the hotel bar that knows me from the show, then I have to sort of be... Have a public face on instead of my private face. And I'd rather just sit in my room and uh, pass time. I've done the, the sit-in-my-room thing many a time, and it's it's very <laughs> depressing. So when I, when I went down to... Uh, when I went down to, uh, oh no, I forgot the name of the city. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> that that convention I did in Texas, Amarillo. Uh, that one, oh. I was. It, it, the hours were so short. I had so much of my day left. I was like, I could, I could sit in my room and write much of a book. I absolutely uh-huh. am not going to do that. I went out to the bars every night by myself, which I'd never done before in my life. And I met people, and it was fun. And I ended up linking up with somebody from the convention. And then the next morning, like, we stayed out drinking until, like, 2 or 3 a.m. And we were, like, best friends for life. Then you wake up the next morning, you're like, I don't even know if this person remembers who I am. And they <laughs> sent me a text. We'd agreed to go, uh, we'd agreed to go frisbee golfing. And uh, I messaged him. I woke up like five minutes before we were supposed to meet. And I was like, so is that a real thing? He's like, yeah, I'm on my way to the, your hotel. And so I made, oh, no. I made local friends. And, uh, yeah, after, an, after drinking until like 3 a.m., we ended up at a, fr- at a Frisbee golf course in Amarillo, Texas. It was like 95 <laughs> degrees outside. And down there, they treat, they treat disc <clears throat> golf like uh, we treat regular golf, which he made sure to point out. We couldn't just call it regular golf. It was ball golf. It was not above disc golf. They just each use different things. And I used that to point out that uh, it was like golf, real golf in that we drank as we went. So I had a, a thermos full of vodka at 10 a.m. on a Sunday going through. And it was, it was glorious. It was, it was a great time. And you don't get that if you just sit in your hotel room. No, but Amarillo, I, I distinctly remember there's a place that has one of those, if you can eat it, it's free steaks. Whoa. It's right off the freeway, and I guess all the locals know it because the girl at the hotel told me to go there. And it's it's one of those glorious experiences. I chickened out. I didn't try it. But I remember that the steak is as big as your head, and you have to eat all the sides with it and everything. And I sent Mrs. Steve a picture of it. But just sitting in this big room, knowing that at some point some tourist is going to try it, it's uh, it's worth the it's worth the go. I feel like I could do that. My stomach just expands to huge, huge lengths. I uh, so in order to not balloon up to a million pounds, I mean I'm I'm keeping track. I'm I'm off keto and carnivore and all that. I'm just tracking calories and macros. I've got an app where I log everything. But when everybody's sitting down and eating snacks and stuff, I just want something going into my system that's kind of snacky. So I do diet coke, and like in a three or four hour game, I can sit there and I'll polish off multiple two liters by myself. I look super classy because I refuse to use a glass. I just sit there and I just (laughs) chug them, and I can do. I can do one two liter in a couple minutes. I know people always oh talk God. about like you can't drink a gallon of milk, you'll throw up. And it's like I, I bet I could. I guess it's just a matter of, I don't know if my stomach could quite hold the whole thing at at 
at once, but like as long as some of it got into my digestive tract and out of my stomach, I could fit the rest of it in there. So maybe, maybe I could handle that steak. I don't know, but the catch is those cheap sides. I mean, how, how many, how many ounces do you think the steak is? The steak is, I believe either four or five pounds. See, it might be a 72 ounce steak. What is that? 32. Well, it's probably not 72. That's almost six pounds. I think it's, yeah. For, for a while, I was doing five pounds of ground beef a day in well, one meal. a five pound would be 80 ounces, right? Five by 16? Yeah. 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 So I bet it's, I'll, bet, I'll bet it's a 72-ounce steak. That number's in my head for some reason. But ground beef, that's like eating jello, man. It just falls apart in your mouth. Steak requires chewing. That would, yep. that would take some effort. That would, uh, I imagine by the time, is there a time limit? There is, yeah. Uh, boy, it's been too long. It's either 45 or 60 minutes, something like that. You have to eat it. But they, uh, that's, they, you know, they, they get these people, they probably pay a hundred bucks to eat this thing thinking they'll get it free. And in the end they pay for a hundred dollar steak they eat half of. So it's, it's probably a good business decision, but I would, man, I would feel honor bound to try. I think I couldn't do it. I was on my way to the airport. I had a little time to kill and I thought, I don't want to vomit on an airplane. (laughs) That's fair enough. I'm sure your fellow passengers didn't want you to either. Uh, But that was back in the days when airplanes actually flew. So that story is no longer topical or relevant. And we've come all the way around the block (laughs) and we made it home. Well, we actually have to walk out of here. That was a well-timed summation, James Breakwell. That's all I do. (laughs) Well, no, I wish it was all you did, but... (laughs) Tune in again next week where you will hear scintillating stories from on the road. Mine tend to be funny. James's tend to be tragic and insulting to the cities that he's walking through. (laughs) But thus defines our personalities. Until we meet again, until we come face to phone and you are looking at a wrong and wronger episode. How great can that be whenever it happens? This is Steve Williams, Dr. Steve for James Always Outside Breakwell saying thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and remember as always, two wrongs can make a right. <laughs>